Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, and I'm going to give you your weekly horoscope and no bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. This week's question pretty much cuts to the heart of the matter, and it's from Just Wondering. And she says, are we ever going to feel good again? Seems like the whole year and maybe next year is just struggle.com. Can we ever feel good? And she did include her birth information. So I am going to take a peek at Just Wondering's birth chart. But I really wanted to talk about this subject because it's deep and it's real. And so many of us, so many of us around the world are really struggling. We are struggling because of how scary living through a global pandemic is, especially in a global world. We are scared for ourselves. We're scared for the health and welfare of others. It's economically frightening. The very nature of this crisis is terrifying. It can feel like it is robbing you of your joy. Now, just wondering, I was really glad that you asked this question in the way you did. You didn't ask me about happiness. You asked me about joy. And joy and happiness are different things. The differences between them are subtle but meaningful. The thing about happiness is that happiness is kind of an emotional response to what's happening, right? It's, I got this Prezi and I'm happy. I got an A on my test and I'm happy. The state of joyfulness is not dependent on what is happening. It is essentially a choice. It is a state of mind. Now, you know me, I am not a huge fan of Posi Vibes only, and I actually don't think that happiness is a prerequisite to a life well-lived or being spiritually, psychologically, or emotionally successful. Some people aren't hardwired for happiness. It's not their like life's goal or it's not the most important thing for them. And I want to say that that is totally different than joyfulness. Totally different. Now there's crossover, obvi. But it's different from joyfulness. Mother Teresa, <laughs> you may have heard of her, said, where there is love, there is joy. Joy is a feeling that springs forth from aligning with love. And for some people, at some moments, it's ecstatic. And for some people, at some moments, I would say for all people, at some moments, it's peace or it's calm or it's satisfaction. Joy can be embodied in many different ways, but it is a really important part of the human condition and especially of the part of our human condition that has peace and has repose and is resilient right? There is the resiliency that comes from trauma or from pressure, that resiliency of like, I got kicked down and I'm going to get back up again. I'm going to fight. There's another level or layer to resiliency that I think kind of gets talked about less, which is that of joy, that of love. One's capacity for resiliency requires that we are willing and able to feel all of our feelings without losing contact with joy and love. And that is hard. It is a life practice. And if you are finding through this global pandemic that you are not naturally good at it, that's cool. You've got a lot of company, my friend, a lot of company. We're all struggling with this. And 
I say we're all struggling with this, but if I'm honest, I am getting a lot of questions from you guys, like a lot of questions. And a lot of the questions I'm receiving are actually from people who are experiencing joy. You are experiencing more relief and more calm and more joy. You're quite satisfied with your lives right now. And you're writing me being like, what the F? Like, how is this happening? And I think it's really important to recognize that if you are privileged enough to be safe and to be healthy and to be secure, then in some ways, this period of this pandemic has stripped away distractions and even obligations that have been imposed upon you by society, or maybe are self-imposed, right? TBD, I don't know what's going on with you personally. But this is a period where you may be finding that you have actually some space to connect with what truly matters. Now, that is not the situation for everyone. And it's important that we, without guilt or shame, acknowledge that that is a privilege. And it is a beautiful privilege. Feel good about that. I think it's especially true for people who are naturally introverted. What a gift to introverts. If you have enough privilege to be safe and secure and healthy at this time, what a gift. There's no pressure to get out there and get it done. You can stay in here and get it done. And that's nice. But I am getting even more questions from you. Uh, Struggling. Struggling, of course, with situations, but also struggling with yourself struggling with what am I doing with my life? I'm in a partnership. Why in the world am I in this partnership? I want to burn my whole shit to the ground. I want to burn it all to the ground. Getting a lot of questions like that. That's normal. That's healthy. That's that's okay. It's your psyche trying to cope with something that nobody's psyche is really wired to really cope with, which is feeling so deeply out of control and frightened. And everywhere you look, Everywhere is out of control and frightened, right? And so it's really important that when we look at the concept of joy, when we look at the emotional, spiritual, and psychological pressure that we are all under, to say nothing of the physical pressures, right? It is really hard, but absolutely valuable to focus on aligning with joy, to look for it in the little things. If you have never had a gratitude list or you once did it and you're not doing it now, girl, start it today. Everybody just start it today. And a gratitude list can be really deep and it can be really shallow. And, you know, if you're going to do it long term, it'll probably be a little bit of both. And you want to keep it succinct. And what this is, if you once a day take pains to write, I don't know, six things that you feel grateful for, what it does is it repetitively aligns you with what you have to be grateful for, with the abundance that you have within your world, with the privileges and luck and resources and gifts and potential that you have. And by doing that, you don't ignore the negative. You just add to the noise that is in your head. You add to what your psyche understands and experiences as real. And we need that. We really need that. I personally have taken greater pains since this whole thing started to be a lot more conscientious about what I follow on social media. I'm, you know, looking for positive stories more than I ever have before. And I'm also reading more news than I ever have before. So for me, the answer for joyfulness is having balance. It's not about less news. For you, the answer might be less news for a period of time. 
Just don't let it be no news, my friends. Just don't let it be no news. Now, I've gotten off track of, of joy. Now, I saw something on my Instagram feed by a woman named Mel Robbins, and she said, stop saying I'm stuck inside and start saying I'm safe at home. And if you are safe at home, I want to really just share that reframe. I thought it was a really beautiful reframe. Aligning yourself with where you can be joyful doesn't mean you're happy. It doesn't mean that the pandemic is cleared up, but it means you're choosing where your energy goes and pools. I am a huge fan, and I'm sure most of you, if not all of you, have read Khalil Gibran, the the prophet, and he has this really beautiful piece of writing on joy and sorrow. And it is something that if you haven't ever read it or if you haven't read it in a long time, look it up, get the book. It is amazing. What he says is that your joy is sorrow unmasked. And essentially, this is kind of the flip of a concept I've talked about a lot on the podcast over the course of time, which is that every light casts a shadow, that your grief is really the underside of your love. If you feel grief for humanity, it is because you love humanity. If you feel grief for someone that you know kind of distantly who's struggling right now, that is because, surprise, surprise, you love them. You experience love for them. And this idea that we have that I'm only in love with my partner or like my crush or my mom or whatever, that's, that's a misunderstanding of what love is. That's one form of love. That's a very intimate form of love. But there are many forms of love and they are joyful. And part of our grief is kind of the shit side of that love. But you know what? We can't have one without the other. I don't want to sound cheesy and I don't want to sound like a Pollyanna, but I do want to say rejoice that you are capable of so much love and that your grief and your sadness, it is actually the part of you that cannot help but know that you love humanity, you love others, and even you love yourself and your own life, maybe more than you knew now that you feel grief over what you are fearing or losing. This really got me to thinking a lot about this thing I always talk about, of how light casts shadow. All light casts shadow. The very nature of light, not talking woo, I'm talking like scientifically, and obviously I'm not a fucking scientist and I'm not an expert in science. So if I get this wrong, I want to pre-apologize, okay? But as far as I understand it, the very nature of light is particulate and wave. It is energy and it is matter, right? And the nature of darkness from a scientific perspective is fascinating because from a scientific perspective, there is actually no such thing as darkness. What? What? It's relative and it's subjective. It is a stillness. It is an opening. And so is our joylessness. So is our grief. So is our suffering. And if we can realign and reconnect with where and how we love, that doesn't mean we'll be happy, but we can be in a state of joyfulness, some measure of peacefulness around our feelings. And that organically brings us in greater resonance with light. Now, obviously, I'm talking woo and not science. (laughs) So all of that said, 
Now, Just Wondering, I wanted to pull up your chart. And Just Wondering was born on March 29th, 1983 at 3.29 p.m. in San Paulo, Brazil. You know, what struck me when I pulled up your chart is that you in your birth chart have a Moon-Pluto Saturn conjunction. Now, Saturn and the Moon are quite far apart, but Pluto is like a, a kind of connective tissue between your Moon and Saturn. And they all form an opposition to your natal Mars. And so for you, feeling trapped and feeling limited is associated with depression. It's associated with pain. And what I want to encourage you to do, my dear, is to stay in the stillness Practice being emotionally present in the stillness. And that's it. Oh, God, I know it sounds way too simple. I know. But whenever Pluto is involved, the more simple the approach and the more patient we are with our execution of that approach, uh, the better. Now, I'm talking about whenever Pluto is involved in terms of psychological and emotional and spiritual development. What this would look like is getting still once a day. And if all you can tolerate is 30 seconds a day, that's success. And if you can tolerate three minutes, mazel tov. But what I want to encourage you to do is sit, let's say, for 30 seconds and breathe and keep on feeling your body and locate your feelings in your body. So that is likely to feel like unrest or pain or distress physically. And my advice to you is to simply sit with it, continuing to breathe into that part of your body or those parts of your feelings and be kind and be present. Don't abandon yourself around those feelings. Be in the stillness with yourself. Be in the stillness with yourself because actually in the stillness, there's a lot of noise and there's a lot of feelings kind of buzzing around, but the stillness is just that. It it is actually a state of stillness. And if you can be present with that, it is the greatest kindness. It is the greatest kindness you can offer yourself. And this is not going to change the global pandemic. It's not going to change your fears. It's not going to change the world around you. But what it will do is start to give you moment-by-moment coping tools. It will give you inner resourcing that over the course of time will meaningfully change how you feel and how you cope with how you feel. And that's your best move. And that move will support you in having more joy or at least being able to recognize when you've forgotten to choose joy, when you've forgotten to align with joy, and when you've forgotten that you are actually a powerful being. You are a survivor. With all this stuff in your chart that I'm looking at, you are a survivor. But, you know, you're also an Aries with a Sun-Mercury conjunction in Aries, trying to Jupiter-Uranus conjunction in Sagittarius. So, in other words, you're really, really impatient. It is easy for you to not locate yourself in that stillness and in your feelings. But there's nothing but time right now. My dear friend, there is nothing but time. As much as you are able, choose joy. My loves, my puppies and darlings, welcome back to the Horoscope Corner, episode 102 of Ghost of a Podcast. So we're going to be talking about April 26th through May 2nd of 2020. And of course, per usual, there's a lot to talk about astrologically, but you know I like to preamble. So watch me, watch me go yet again. So here's the thing. 
I can tell by your questions that so many of you are suffering. And I'm not just talking about, you know, COVID. I'm talking about all of the uncertainty. For some of you, it's the restrictions. But for so many of you, it's about the uncertainty and the fear of this pandemic and the impositions or situations it has created in your life. So as a result of that, the kind of questions I'm getting from so many of you are around addictions or mental tics. And when I say mental tics, I mean like compulsively returning to thoughts or behaviors as a way to kind of like an on an autopilot in a way that is not especially helpful to you or especially life-affirming, TBH. I am hearing a lot of you experiencing a really intense and surprising urge to burn it all to the ground, to leave your long-term relationship, to start a new career, all of that kind of stuff. And then others of you are experiencing a really strong impulse to progress, to advance, to do something. And that seems to be really coupled with brain fog and exhaustion or confusion. These are all stress responses that are very reasonable given how much is up in the air at this time and how much we don't know about what's happening, but also what will happen. People respond to fear in really varied ways, but nobody <laughs> responds to fear in a perfectly balanced, easy, chill way, especially when the fear at question is not just a fear about your health, your wellness, your ability to support yourself, uh, the safety and security of the country, the city, the economy that you live in, but it's also your concern for others. And honestly, if you're not concerned about others, I'm not sure how you got this far into the podcast. <laughs> The concern that we feel for others is a feeling, and that feeling is overwhelming, and it might not always make sense in your life, and it might not always, you know, be coupled with some great intellectual theory. That's okay. Your feelings are feelings. They don't have to have a beautiful narrative behind them or, or in front of them or whatever. And some people are really good at verbalizing how they feel. Some people are really good at transforming what they feel into motivation for what they do. Yay them. That's great. These are high-functioning, you know, skills to have in, in this particular society that we live in, but they're not the only coping mechanisms. Those people who are really good at converting their feelings into thoughts or, or verbalizing their thoughts or writing down their thoughts are not the only people who are valid. And I want to say, if you're struggling and are not just struggling with your feelings, but also how to put them into words or how to feel like you're being heard, I mean, I don't have a great solution. I just want to say, I see you and I know that there are a lot of you out there and it's hard. And I want to just encourage you to take away the pressure that you may have unintentionally placed on yourself to, you know, convert these feelings into good art or into a really healthy choice around your relationship or whatever. In the United States, we're less than two months into shelter in place and taking COVID-19 really seriously. This is still new. This is new what it means for us as a people. 
And also the news around it and the uh, restrictions put in place to protect people, theoretically, hopefully, are constantly evolving and changing. As you are coping with things that you've never had to cope with before, as you are in this uncertainty, be gentle with your process. Give yourself space and permission to be wherever you're at with it. And as much as possible, once a day, try to do something constructive and life-affirming. So astrology. What is astrology? Astrology is a lot of things, and there's a lot of answers to that question. What is astrology? But the way that I use it, and certainly the way that I try to use it on this podcast, is as a way to contextualize our experience. You know, when I'm talking about the horoscope, I'm talking about our shared experience and also how deeply individual it is, right? So astrology gives us a framework for understanding what we're going through, how long it will last, and what we're meant to get out of it. It gives us a context for understanding how we are very much alone and in our own internal world, but that our internal experience, our personal experience, does not happen in a vacuum, just like no planet or sign or house or whatever it is you're talking about exists in a vacuum. Astrology makes material this kind of understanding that everything is interconnected and that if you don't cope with the transit this time, that's cool. It'll come back around and you'll have to cope with it then. I don't know, that might be annoying sounding, but for me, it's quite reassuring because there's so little that we really know, but we can follow the transits day by day. That's really, it's, it's life-affirming, even when the transits are bullshit, right? And sometimes, ooh, sometimes they're bullshit. Exhibit A, on April 26th, we have a sun conjunction to Uranus. So you're going to be feeling it on the 25th. It's exact on the 26th. It will be also felt on the 27th. The sun conjunction to Uranus is an upsetting transit. It's not bad. It's not good. It's upsetting, right? If you listen to episode 101, where I talk about aspects and transits, I really try to break those down for you. Conjunctions are generally not bad or good. They're just intense. Now, the sun in astrology is your identity, your will, your vitality. And Uranus is upsets, surprises, the unexpected. Uranus is also related to your central nervous system. So on and around this date, what you can expect is to be agitated. You can expect to feel restless. You can expect to be either annoyed or just really distracted. A lot of times people have a hard time sleeping under Uranus transits. So if this transit hits your personal chart, then you might find that you're, you're having kind of messed up sleep or, again, messed up concentration. The positive potential of this transit is related actually to fields of science and technology. Uranus is related to both of those fields. This is an excellent transit for innovation, for finding new ways of looking at things, new perspectives. It's an excellent transit for shifting your approach, for making changes, and for generally shaking things up. And you know what? You might be like, oh shit, I do not want to shake up one more thing in my life. But if everything around you has changed and you've been digging in your heels, you do need to change. Maybe not forever, maybe not permanently, but be willing to change, to pivot, to adjust as needed. All of this energy is in the sign of Taurus, the most reticent to change of all the signs, unfortunately. 
And so this transit may bring up my sense of stability and security is at risk. And so what I always say when I'm looking at any kind of Taurian energies or Venusian energies is pretty much the same. Go for authenticity. If you're going to pivot, if you're going to change things up, allow it to be in a way that reflects your values. If it doesn't reflect your values, what the fuck is it? What is it, I say? So that's one way of relating to this transit. Now, another way is your central nervous system, Uranus, may be just all over the damn place. And so the downside of this is you may act impulsively or other people around you may behave impulsively or disruptively. And this can be disruptive, right? It can be upsetting. And so what you want to do, first of all, is let things pass. Let things develop. This week, I'm not going to lie to you, it's a little messy. As much as possible, if you don't have something constructive to add, it's okay to not add anything, okay? If you feel like you want to cut a bitch, uh, but that's not really appropriate, then maybe don't do anything. Maybe don't say anything. Maybe practice meditation or, you know, listen to something calming to bring you down. This is going to be a transit and in general a week in which you're going to want to be intentional with what you put out there because Uranus is related, like I said earlier, to accidents. And so it can be related to outbursts. That could end up meaning on a social level that things happen that get out of hand, that someone, an individual or groups do something without a whole lot of forethought that creates unintended consequences. Again, it's not bad. It's not good. It's just something to be aware of. And what will come of that is always TBD because Uranus is related to the unpredictable. If you yourself are dealing with somebody who is behaving erratically, make a decision about whether or not it serves you to engage. You don't have to play if you don't like the game. Now, of course, that's not always true. Sometimes you actually have to play, right? But if this is a situation where there is any wiggle room, I would encourage you to be present with your reactions so you can be intentional with your responses. Yeah, I know I say it all the damn time because it's never a bad idea. Never. Okay, that's the 26th. Now that brings me to the next transit of the week, which is exact on the 28th. And you will be feeling it on the 26th as well, but it is exact on the 28th and it's called Mercury square to Saturn. Mercury governs our mind. It is how we communicate. And it is also your attitudes. It's how you listen. Saturn is restriction. Saturn is depression. Saturn is obligation. And Saturn is the murderer of all boners. What we have with a Mercury square to Saturn is a risk of really negative or pessimistic thinking. This can bring up depressive situations or depressive attitudes and limited thinking. Mercury squared to Saturn tends to trigger scarcity-based processing. If you've heard something and you think it's really terrible, ask. Make sure. Make sure you heard it right because this transit can coincide with being in such a negative state of mind that you actually hear things worse than they are. I mean, they may be bad. Don't get me wrong. But they also may not be as bad as you're hearing them. Now, as I always remind you, everyone is going through this transit everyone. And in particular, if it hits your chart directly, it's going to be impacting you directly. But Mercury square to Saturn, you want to kind of expect negative thinking, a difficulty in listening, or a fixation on what you don't have and what you fear. 
this can, of course, lead to misunderstandings. And it can also lead to loneliness, which is something I touched on last week. So the thing about loneliness is that it is part of the human condition, and it is worthy of your kindness and worthy of your patience. The other thing about loneliness is it sucks. It really sucks. And because we're all going through this transit, you might be feeling too shy or too off to reach out to people. Try anyways. We're all going to be feeling a little off around this day. It's not a great time to process with people. In fact, this week, this whole damn week is not a great time to process. If you can put off having major conversations, I definitely would, in particular, unrelated to business. Now, on the tip of business, a Mercury square to Saturn can be a time where you effectively edit or clarify a conversation. So for contractual negotiations or email communication, if you take the time to really read and reread emails and, and compose them very intentionally, it can be quite an effective time for that kind of communication and agreement making. But in terms of your personal relationships, it's just not fantastic, honestly, because you're going to be in too scarcity oriented of a mindset. And when we approach our relationships or our relationship to ourselves from a place of self-criticism, self-censure, uh, self-hate, then our viewfinder is pointed in the direction of seeking those things. It's like, I don't know if you've ever been driving in a convertible, you notice all the convertibles on the road. If you've ever been, you know, all of a sudden in a Jeep, you're like, holy shit, I didn't realize there were so many Jeeps. We tend to see what we're already oriented around. So if you're feeling like crap, you'll unintentionally be seeking evidence for why you feel that way. You'll be looking for bad things or negative things to justify your feelings. And what I want to bring you back to is you're allowed to feel your feelings. You're allowed to be where you're at. You don't need an excuse. What you need is remediation. The remediation that is really effective during a Mercury square Saturn is simplify your day, simplify your focus around these days, and focus on what you can be constructive around. That can be refining or editing a project, your home, like something in your home, it can be studying something that requires some measure of concentration. On the 30th, we'll have another conjunction to Uranus, this time by Mercury. So because of this, it's going to be tricky to sustain long-term concentration. But Saturn likes it when you concentrate. Saturn wants you to learn something. You just want to take smaller chunks of time in your approach to whatever you're learning, studying, or taking in. Now, on the 30th, as I mentioned, Mercury forms a conjunction to Uranus. This transit is upsetting. Mercury, again, is your mind, and Uranus is surprises. This is a terrible transit for sleep. It's a terrible transit for concentration. People tend to say shit before they think it through, do things with friends that you're like, whoops, didn't mean to do that. Don't tell your secrets. And seriously, don't tell someone else's secrets. That's a bullshit move. I mean, listen, I know everybody gossips. It's a thing. It's a thing people do, but it can very quickly and easily become unkind and hurtful. Nobody likes to be on the receiving end of gossip, but everyone loves to be on the giving it end. Am I right, people? Am I right? So Mercury conjunction to Uranus is great for finding new solutions. It is great for innovating and shifting your perspective. It is great for being somewhat adventurous, trying new things. It's not so great for restrictions. It's not so great for patience. So 
I'm sorry. I don't make these up. You know, I'm just I'm just reading the weather over here. And it's it's choppy. We will often say shit we don't mean to say during this transit. And that is not just you and me. That's people all around. And so listen, be a good listener around this transit because people may reveal things to you of themselves or their plans that you would never know if they hadn't slipped up. So that's interesting. A, this transit can co- coincide with some very cool things, though. So let me name them off. One is an interest in humanitarian or social issues. So if you feel inspired, get organized, get involved. That might mean choosing to learn from an activist or organizer who's already out there doing the work. That might mean signing some damn petitions, donating some, some money if you have it, getting somehow mobilized so that you are a part of solutions to something or some things that you deeply care about. This can be very mobilizing in that way. Another thing this transit can do is it can spark your intuition. Now, here's the downside. It can spark your intuition and your sense of seeing, but not necessarily your capacity to ground and to therefore receive and make use of the data you get. So if all of a sudden you're getting hella psychic, write it down in an email, email it to yourself. Open the email in like four days. It'll be timestamped. And then be like, okay, well, what were my instincts and what actually happens? That's kind of cool. It's an old psychic trick. I didn't come up with it. So what else can I tell you about this transit? Don't jump to conclusions. You're probably going to want to, but it's a terrible idea. It's just not going to work out well for you. You know what I'm saying? Um, Jumping to conclusions is a fun little Uranian trick. And that is because Uranus likes to be focused on the future instead of the present. Receive data, clock it, and then let it play out because everyone is feeling impulsive. People may say or do things around this day and really actually not mean it, or they may be revealing important information to you. Time will tell. My puppies and kittens, time will tell. Now, that's it. That's that's your transits for the week. I'm not going to lie to you. Venus goes retrograde on May 13th. And we are now in the shadow period of that retrograde. And that's something I'm going to talk about shortly on the podcast and probably a great damn deal. So don't you worry about it. But I want to just kind of bookmark that for you. So I was asked by somebody on social to do something. And I don't remember what your name is, but tipping my hat to you. I want to give you a quick recap on the dates of the transits. Okay. Uh, And I'm sorry that I can't remember your name, nice person who told me to do this. We are looking at the week of April 26th through May 2nd. And the first transit I named was a sun conjunction to Uranus that is exact on the 26th. On the 28th of April, we have an exact Mercury square to Saturn. On the 30th of April, we have an exact Mercury conjunction to Uranus. Now, I didn't say earlier, but let me add the sun Mercury and Uranus are all in the sign of Taurus, and Saturn is in the sign of Aquarius. Okay, so put that in your pipe and smoke it, my friends. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. I thank you for joining me for another week of Ghost of a Podcast. I thank you for your support here and across all the platforms. If you haven't already joined me on Patreon, as of May 1, I have dropped a new tier of benefits where I am releasing a month ahead horoscope where I break down all the transits of the month ahead and then go through each of the sun signs and give you a meditation per each. That's right. 
It's a new thing. I'm doing it. It's for the kittens. It's for kittens level. And I'm already offering uh, tutorials on the tarot, which I'm really into and excited about. So if you're into tarot and you want to learn about it or deepen your use of it, join me there. And if you're into, I don't know, month ahead horoscope, join me on Patreon again. Uh, That's it. You're the best. Bye.